Well, hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dinner with a Side of Sci-Fi. I'm Jason. And I'm Deva. Today we will be making spring risotto with a green Dole Whip as we discuss a memory called Empire. Yeah, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the recipe. So we're making, uh, they did have a lot of food in this book. There was a lot of choices for uh, kind of mimicking and they did talk about a porridge that was really good. So I thought, uh, what about a risotto? That's kind of like a porridge. So we're doing like spring vegetable porridge or risotto. And then she also eats green ice cream in there. And she like goes crazy for it. Um, and Jason suggested matcha, but that I actually don't like matcha. So we're doing Dole Whips and we're dyeing them green. Yeah, looks lovely. All right. So now um, well, while Jason preps some of the veggies, I'm going to get into the summary of this book. And I sat down to write the summary and I was like, this is going to be easy because not that much happened in this book. And then I sat down and started writing it. I kept having to like uh, put like footnotes in and like refer to the footnote because there actually was a lot going on in this book when I started summarizing it. So uh, here I go. So Mahit Dismar becomes the new Liesl Station ambassador to Texacalan, the planet. After the current ambassador, Yixander, dies there. Um, he died of an allergic reaction at a dinner party after he had been the ambassador for about 15 years on Texacalan. Uh, but there is a twist. So Mahit Dismar, she has an image of Yixander's memories and personality. So an image is you take a recording of a person's personality um, and their memories. It goes on this little thumb-sized device, and it goes in the back of your neck, and then you kind of share those memories and personality with that person. So Yixander was a part of her, could talk to her, could kind of manipulate her body in a way. Uh, so it was like there was two people in one body. So she has an older version of him from when he visited the station about maybe 10 years ago. So she has a younger version of her of him in her, his image than the one that is on, that just died on Texacalan. All these words are very <laughs> difficult to pronounce, so I may not be pronouncing them correctly. This is just how I thought of them when I read the book. All right, so Texacalan, this is the, this is a beautiful planet, kind of the center of the civilization. It's called the Jewel of the World. Uh, it's a beautiful, glistening planet in which people uh, have emigrated from in the past gone to all these different space stations uh, as they explored space. Um, so it's kind of seemed like a Rome, like a Roman empire with lots of kind of Aztec uh, influences, especially with the names and whatnot. Um, so she, she gets there uh, and while she's doing her ambassador duties, she becomes suspicious of Yixander's death uh, while noting that there's some unrest in the city um, including an explosion that she gets involved in. Um, and then when she sees Yuxander's dead body, uh, just to investigate it, something, mal something malfunctions with her image and so suddenly Yuxander isn't there anymore, which is really distressing to her because he has all this cultural knowledge of Texacalan, which she doesn't have, so she's having a harder time interpreting uh, all the people she's meeting, their intents and their body language and their language. All right, so the emperor of this planet is sick, uh, and it turns out there is an uprising happening, 
that she gets into the middle of. And we find out that there is potentially an alien threat. She gets a she gets a letter basically to an info stick, that's what they call him, that only Yixander can understand. So she finds a kind of black market brain surgeon. She managed to have one of her friends, her new friends, get the image out from Yixander's body. And she has the the doctor put it back in her in her neck. It works, so she has now she has the younger Yixander and then the Yixander that you know, died on Texacolon. And she, this Yixander can remember his own death. Uh, and it turns out the Emperor wanted this Imago technology to prolong his own life to kind of be immortal. And his advisors ended up killing him so that he couldn't get this technology. So uh, they, the emperor realizes that he's not going to be able to get this technology and that he's going to, you know, he's really sick. He doesn't have time to get it. So to quell the uprising, he has a very dramatic death scene in front of his whole population. Um, and that kind of quells the uprising. Uh, they're able to focus more on the alien threat. Um, and one of Mahit's friends that she's been working with ends up taking over until one of the Emperor's heirs can take over. So there was a lot of intrigue going on here. A lot of uh, cultural differences. When I was writing the, the summary, this was probably the hardest one I've had to write. It's a tricky one. Yeah, and like I feel like some of the books we've read are You did a good way job of summarizing all like terrorist stuff. And, you know, some of the bad stuff that happens to her, like, and we'll talk about all this stuff. Well, I think that was more, for me, that was less interesting than her image and her... Oh, yeah, her yeah. Inter- So she had, she had a, a, like, basically, like, an escort that was just there to, like, help her make her way, named Three Azalea. No, Three Seagrass. And she was a really interesting character, and they became friends, and... Uh, potentially lovers, they did have share a kiss during the book at the end. Uh, but like just their relationship and their interactions, I thought was more interesting than the whole like galaxy-wide conflict. Well, because it felt so like Game of Thronesy in that this entire galactic empire's struggle is all happening in the capital city. Yeah. So that felt a little weird. Um, but I also got a lot of notes from Foundation. His yeah. whole like glowing throne thing really reminded me of the throne of the um, the time of the was the second book the nuclear throne or whatever yeah man I loved her prose and the way she described everything like this is how if I was describing something or imagining like a beautiful planet like I would say all these things like she used the word glittering so many times like this line here the first time she saw the city with her own flesh eyes, not an info fiche or hologram or image of memory. It was haloed in white fire and shone like an endless glittering sea. Just lots of glitter. It's a very nice description. And then there's one she's describing. She goes to lunch in the city and there's like bowls of water with like blue flowers in them on like white stone countertops. Just very descriptive. And I really like that. Yeah. And everyone was wearing like crisp white outfits or cream outfits and, and you know they kept someone someone got cut and blood soaked their white 
Perfect white tunic, red. Everyone was so stoic, though. Like, they didn't show emotions. Yeah. Like, sometimes when she wanted to fuck with people, she would just smile at them. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> you know, they didn't... Yeah. She's like, I'm going to do a barbarian smile with teeth and my mouth open. Because that's what they called people who didn't live in Texacalan. Uh, they called them barbarians, which is, you know, very... That's what the Romans called people who didn't live in Rome back in the day. You know, like all the Germans and the French people, they were barbarians. So, do did, we need to put the onion in there too, or is that coming? That's in? separate. Oh, you okay. do the vegetables. I'm going to separate them. Put them oh. in the bowl. It's, yeah. So once Mark Mark sort of topped off what I wasn't understanding about the recipe. Yeah, this is both. Have you made risotto before? I have not. Yeah, this is our, we're really uh, really challenging ourselves today making risotto. Well, it doesn't look hard. It just looks like you need to pay attention. I've watched a lot of Top Chef and a lot of, like, Hell's Kitchen, and risotto's always the one that they're like, you idiot, why did you make risotto? No one can make risotto good. <laughs> I don't think you could in a, I don't think you can in a professional kitchen, that's for sure. Yeah. Like, because you have to be paying attention to other things. So, okay. So, David, what did you, did you like the book? I did like it. I liked it. I, it was kind of slow feeling to me. I thought the first quarter was really hard. Yeah. Um, but then sort of like it was it was a little Harry Potter in that it was like the Golden Trio yeah. going through this adventure together mm-hmm. and all of them being fish out of water yeah. and having to figure out how to do it. And like one of them was tricky and one of them was smart. And then, you know, the ambassador um Mahin. Mahin um was you know, she was she was sort of the more balanced person. I kind of I kind of yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah. I like that little trio. So it was, okay. 12 seagrass? Three seagrass sea and 12 azalea. And 12 azalea. And they, they were friends, maybe lovers, I couldn't tell, but they had cute little nicknames for each other. So three yeah, seagrass was sure three. Lovers, but I guess not. And 12 azalea was petal. Or, I mean, they could have been former lovers or sometimes lovers. Yeah, it's true. Different culture. Uh, but I just, I loved all the naming, the mm-hmm. naming convention for Texacolon. So all the names were. Uh, you, your name is like a number and then a noun, an object, or a concept. So, three sea grass was, and they said most of the names are flowers or plants. Twelve asteroid. Twelve asteroid. Uh, the emperor was named Six Direction, which I read an article that the author wrote, or they were interviewing the author, Arkadia Martine, and she was talking about the in detail, the naming conventions. And she said, oh, yeah, six direction for all the six directions, north, south, east, west, sky, and earth. Oh, that's that's clever. Yeah. And then, like, eight antidote was one. That was, like, one of the... So the emperor had some heirs for when he died, uh, and one of them was, like, a clone of him, basically, a 90% clone. And then he had another, like a like, a sibling clone. But, uh, yeah, the naming convention. And then last night I was trying to go to bed early and I just sat there and I was like, what would my name be if I was a Texcalan? What do you think? Well, I settled on the number five last night and I just couldn't think of a, like a, the second part. And then today when I was at lunch, I was like, I think I'm going to do a concept. So I think latitude, five, five latitude would be my name. Interesting. Okay. You have any thoughts about what you would do? Uh, let's see. That's a tough one. Like on the spot? Um, 
I, I have a superstition about the number 12, so I go with 12. Okay. Um, some numbers were like gauche and tacky. Yeah, like like high, like over 100. Yeah. Yeah, super tacky. But yes, yeah, so I think like 12, like, I don't know, the noun's the hard part. Yeah, that's part. the like, hard part. You, because it's like part of your identity. Yeah. Well, and she also said, like, she was talking about the like the 1 through 12, and one that stuck out at me was 3. She's like, 3 is someone who's, like, kind of stable, but, like, a little, like, rough and jarring, like a triangle stable, but it's pointy. Huh. So, like, if you're, you want your kid to be like that, you name them 3, you know, whatever. And they're, all of their communiques at Tex Kalan were, were in, like, verse. Mm-hmm. So, like, they, it wasn't really encryption. It's like, even your inter-office memos have to be written as poetry. Yeah, and it wasn't like they emailed them or anything. They were, like, on these, like, info sticks that were in a bowl. And they had different, like, some of them were made out of bone. And some of them were paper. And it's just, it's hard to see that being efficient. Like, I understand. It's like, oh, it's alien and... Or, I mean, I guess they're not aliens compared to us. Like, we're all humans, I think. That's what I picked up from this book. Well, there were at least... Like, there were other aliens. Like There were definitely other aliens, and they were at least human-like. But, you know, because um, they talked about the emperor... At one point, they're referencing... They're singing a song, and it's old. Mm -hmm. And it's from a time before they went to the stars. Mm -hmm. Which would have to at least be in memory of some sort. So fairly recent... I couldn't pick up if they talked about any other planets, or was it just stations that they were on at this point? They did really only talk about stations, because they, they had contact with aliens, mm -hmm. and I got the impression that they um, they have to be elsewhere. They wouldn't just have stations floating in space for no reason. Yeah. I thought the contrast, too, between the planet and the station mm -hmm. was just really interesting, and how the station had this big culture of, like, pilots. I guess because they fly around and get stuff. I don't know why. Uh, but the pilots were, it's like a very respected position. And that's actually where they started the Imago ordeal thing. That's such a, yeah. They yeah. wanted to, like, preserve the memories of these pilots. So some of them are, like, nine generations old. So you have all these, it's kind of like a trill, almost. Very trill-like. Except that Trills can't, I mean, they, I guess before Discovery, they really couldn't interact with their trills. Like, they had to do, like, four, they had to do, like, exercises yeah. to do that. Yeah, and, like, like, on that big... Like, this is, like, the voice of that person in your head. Yeah. And... Yeah, and, like, he even, like, took over her, her body a little bit. Like, she, like, when she got to Taxicalon and she was meeting someone, uh, he, like, made her hands do, like, the traditional greeting. And she's like, I didn't... I didn't know to do that. Blah blah blah. It and was really. Yeah. It did feel really lonely though when he disappeared. It did. Well, you know, I think they they probably don't do they don't do certain training because they have this technology and they don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like you don't have to waste time on training people on these little nuances. Yeah. They could just ha they could just know them. Yeah. That's that's that, like I don't I think I would. Be okay with that. I think I would too. I think I would like it. I think the tricky part is what is your consciousness like when you are the machine? Because then you have to be aware. Yeah. Like you have to choose to allow the primary. Yeah. To be the driver. Yeah, that's weird. And then if there's so if you're the third host, so there's like two. 
people's consciousness in you from like the okay. well no I so I think what happens over time is they the kind of is the person with the machine sort of absorbs the other person and and she's and they're simultaneously oh. copied onto the chip so over time that becomes personality like becomes the two of them merged together so I assume it would be diminishing return in terms of personality impact yeah but they specifically chose people that had similar personalities yeah. I think that would be really interesting an interesting experience. Yeah. And just to know so much without having to, you know, learn it. <laughs> like, that'd be great. And to have that constant confidant. Yeah. Like, someone you could be like, oh, what do you think about this? Uh, but I thought that was a really interesting concept. And, like, just how... And it also reminded me of The Expanse, too, with the people on the stations. They're like, we don't ever use uh, pistols on the... Stations. Yeah. We don't have. We learn how to use fire extinguishers at age one because, like, that's the most dangerous thing. Like losing your atmosphere from a fight, losing your oxygen, like, losing your shell, losing your water. Oh, you see, it says certified gluten free on there. Thank you very much. So apparently, when I was looking at the recipe, risotto is not always gluten free. It has to do with how it's processed. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, like, if they make it in somewhere where they make, like, pasta or something, there could be, like, debris on it. Yeah. Ah. Although, I made a mac and cheese with chickpea pasta. Have you had the chickpea pasta? Yeah. It was really good. The, um, I, th I think the brown rice is the one I tend to like the most. Yeah. I like the chickpea one, though, because it has some, pr it has protein in it. Too. Oh, it's true. Which is nice when I'm making mac and cheese. Which doesn't it doesn't yeah. I mean yes. it has the cheese the protein from the cheese. And I also instead usually I make it with like almond milk or something and I use whole milk. Oh god, just to get the heavy extra. cream to make it really delicious. <laughs> yeah, and then I also even liked how when they left the city, uh, so when they went out to find that doctor, her I think her name was Five Portico. Which is a kind of a weird. Name. That was, but I, I liked it. It yeah. was fun, and, and she obviously was good as what good at what she does. And and uh, Mahit described her as just kind of this, just kind of unremarkable older woman that just looked unremarkable. And then when she spoke, she had the most beautiful voice that sounded like she was like a singer or something. Which I just like that little touch. That's probably what people are going to say about me someday. Um, beautiful voice. Well. And she gave the Imago thing to the doctor. So, so the cats, I mean, at this point, if that woman reverse engineers it, like that could just be part of underground society already. Yeah. But like, it's like, like, uh, well, first off, like the outside city was more drab and mm. I, I was just imagining like Soviet block. Kind of. mm -hmm. I don't know why. And then, but yeah, like the emperor wanted this technology. So I gathered that him and Yuxander had a relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, they were lovers for a while. And I also thought he was lovers with 19 Adzi, who was the... Was that the assistant? She was the, like, the advisor. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. The 19 ads. advisor. Yeah. 19 ads. Yeah. What's um, an ads? I'm not sure. A-D-Z-E. I'm not sure. Um, well, it, it, well she, that was, she was a weird character, and she becomes Empire. Emperor. Yeah. And she, um, at the end of the book, she becomes the Emperor, because the Emperor passes it down, oh. and... She, um, like, she gets a poisonous flower as a gift and decides to give it to the protagonist as, like, a present just to see what she'll do and then steps in just before she kills herself with it by accident. Well, I think she wanted to kill her. She, she was, a, she was initially going to kill her. 
Okay. Because it, she actually helped kill Yixander. Mm-hmm. She didn't want this technology to fall into the hands of Oh, and then Everett. she realized that she was so she was going to kill Mahit, too. Yeah. For the same reason. Uh, but she kind of liked her, you know, she's like, oh. And so she sees her, like, pick up this flower, which instantly starts, like, burning her hand. Like, she has blisters, and she's about to sniff it like an idiot. Like, why would you sniff something that's burning your hand? But anyways, Mahit says, no, and she stops her. And she helps her, and she you know she doesn't die. But yeah, and I liked her too. She was such an interesting character, and just I liked most of the characters. Oh, and adds an adds is yeah. like an ancient axe. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. I thought it was a type of flower, but that so that even gives more of like an indication I, of the type of person. I at least had the benefit of the audiobook. So they did pronounce things. The only thing is, I don't think it's an imago, and now I'm blanking on what the book called it. It, it was like imago. Or um, it was more of like a yeah, but it, it is not a magio either. So you know, well the the or the Kindle has the glossary at the back mm. with all the characters, which was nice because it is nice. I was trying to remember some things because it was like a lot of world building. Like mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna read the sequel. Yeah, I think um, if anything, I'm I'm hoping for a time skip. I'm bummed that that twelve um, that twelve what's his name died. Oh, that was so sad. Like, very sudden, and it was in a chaotic moment, so you really didn't get a chance to even think about it. Yeah, it was like a terrorist attack, like the uprising. And... And poor, poor, um, Three Seagrass is, like, you know, devastated. But it's such a chaotic moment that the ambassador's like, oh, she must be really upset about the Civil War. Oh, no, no, her friend died. Yeah. Well, that was crazy, too. Like, so, one of the first scenes was they go to lunch to meet one of... The Yixander's old friends, 15 Engine, and, like, a bomb goes off in the restaurant, kills 15 Engine. So they run out, so Three Seagrass and Mahit, they run out into the streets, and, like, a giant bubble comes out of the ground and, like, covers them up, and they can't move because it's, like, protecting them from bombs or whatever, and, like, so that the sunlit, which is the police force, can come and, you know, make sure everything's okay. Which was kind of, that was crazy. Like a crazy concept. And then you couldn't touch it. Yeah. If you touched it, it would like give you a paralyzing shock. So 3C Grass has like a, like a basically a A key key fob or something. Yeah. Like a cloud hook goes over your eye. It's basically like a. It's a way to access things. It's like an iPhone on your eye or something. I, it's, yeah, it's like a access internet, but she can, she has the authority to like leave this bubble. Uh, but there was a malfunction, and it, like, shocks her very badly. And she ends up having to go to the hospital for, like, a day. She's very, like, it's all good, it's all good when yeah. she gets back. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, Three Seagrass is a trooper. And mm-hmm. she's so upbeat. Like, she's constantly happy. I think that that was my only complaint. I feel like, um... She did cry a little bit. She did. Um, although I think all but one were fake. She did say, like, Mahit was like, she. this is her coping mechanism, is, like, just going over information and being, like, a tour guide mm-hmm. constantly. And I could see that. But she, and she was just, she was so nice. And I, I like the solution of um, when the when they are going to inspect the body of, what's, what's the original? Yixander. Yixander. And they, um, and he, and 12, the guy. Azalea. 12 Azalea. Knows that she's hiding something, and his solution to the problem is, well, I'll tell you what, you can reveal to us what's going on, we'll each reveal something serious that would be embarrassing for us, 
so that we can all sort of hold these secrets together. And that's sort of how they make their little pact. Three friends. <laughs> right before the new empress comes, because she's going to try to steal the device as well. Yeah. She's like, now I've got the emperor out of the way. Oh, so that was another thing. They have, they don't really practice human sacrifice, but you can sacrifice yourself. Mm-hmm. So they talk about how people do that for memory because you, like, I guess there's like a ritual and they recite your name. Uh, and the emperor ends up uh, doing that at the end. He's like sick. He's dying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty dramatic. So is the risotto on there right mm-hmm. now? Oh, so you did the first step. I did the first. I'm already onto my, um, I'm already onto my third cup of stock. So I think those are four cups each in those. Right. So, so I, know, I know I can use a whole okay. one. And then two cups more of the other and one. And then two cups more of the other one. But now it's going to be a while before this one. Yeah, they had they had their porridge. They had they had a lot of foods. Dump, like a dumpling and all the food. What was about like, like the flower petal sandwiches? Yeah. I mean, it didn't really work for this podcast because it involved juicy meat. Yeah. But um, I liked that the flower petals were bread. Yeah. Um, and she called them sandwiches. <laughs> um, they had like a meat stick, like a squid stick or something. Yes. The green ice cream. The green ice cream. Which, oh, coffee. They had coffee. Which is interesting. Everything else felt sort of alien. Mm-hmm. And then coffee's there, which does, you know... Have you ever had a fried squash blossom? No. So it's like the flour from the squash, like you can eat it. Mm-hmm. So usually they fry them and put a bunch of goat cheese in it. It's delicious. Hmm. And I, I imagine that would be gluten-free since it's just squash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you have any gripes with the book? Well, just I thought it was... Like, I I actually started reading this before we did the podcast. Okay. And kind of gave up on it. Oh, interesting. Um, you know, I was enjoying it, but it just wasn't Capturing engaging you. me as much. You know, when I really into a book, I'll sit there and read for hours. I just didn't. And I couldn't, like, I still didn't ever get to that point with this book, but I find myself thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And I did enjoy it. And this is her first book she wrote. Really? It's her debut novel. Wow. It won the 2020 Hugo Award. That makes it even... Yeah, I knew it won the Hugo Award. And then her... The sequel won the Hugo, too. Huh. Well, I think... Yeah. There's the whole subplot about the... The city is basically a computer, and it runs everything, including the police force. Yes. And something is going on with that, and they don't... I don't think they ever really... They don't ever really resolve that, so mm-hmm. hopefully that's something they address in the future. Well, books. and they talk about well, she, so the sunlight, the police force are helping them after, like during the chaos, of and the, they're transformed somehow. And it's like yeah. five of them are there talking to them, and they're all like kind of like hive mind, and then one of them escorts them away to their their housing unit or whatever. And they're like, oh, when he's away from the group, he seems more human, or like more of like he has like a personality. So it seems like maybe when they're apart, they have more of a... Like a collective. Yeah. I mean, that was just really interesting. Just so many ideas in there. And I liked that she went to a bunch of different districts in the city, and they were all, all a little bit different. Um, I liked that there was planned political protests. Yeah. Like, it was like a staged riot to make a political statement. And then it was strange when people actually had a riot later in the book. Yeah. Like, that's weird to me. Like, I, I'm fine with just sudden protests, but it seems weird to me to fake a riot. Sort of pantomime violence. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely were an odd bunch, these Texacolons. Yeah. Yeah. They, um... I, like, I also find, like, language like that a little distracting. Like, I, I understand the point of it. 
like world building. Like oh, it was yeah. even like in Dune. Like sometimes I'm like, what, what? It like kind of jar jars me out of the moment. Yeah. Like it's hard to like understand what they're talking about, and if you miss it, then you're like, what is this? Mm-hmm. So even though I appreciate it, it's it's another hurdle to get over. But now, hopefully, in the second one, I'll have an easier time. Yeah. What did you think about all the little historical interludes that were inserted between the different sections of the um, book? I usually don't like those Yeah. as a kind of my personality. Because mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's, you have to really refocus. Like, they, they take you out of the story, even though they're, like, relevant and, like, they're giving other information. Even, you know, like, Dune does that. I didn't like it. Foundation did that. I didn't like it. As, well, at least in Foundation, it was kind of introducing the next chapter. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't like it in Dune either. Uh, well, actually, no, Dune I liked. Be, the th- I think the reason I liked it in Dune is it's one of the reasons I hated Paul, because I knew whatever happened was inevitable. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's true. But with this one, I, I didn't find that they enhanced the plot. If anything, I feel like it was trying to beat over my head that these events are historically significant. Yeah. And... The political stuff that happened, aside from the Emperor offing himself at the end, which he would have done without her. Yeah. Like, I don't think that there was that much interesting political injury. Like, everything was pretty mundane. Yeah, it was like a succession kind of plot. And like the the 30 Larkspur or whatever. And, and the crux of her whole issue is that her predecessor was trying to negotiate... Um, he was trying to negotiate... For the empire not to invade his space, which is just something that an ambassador would be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought the stuff happening in space—you know—that's usually what would be focused on in like a sci-fi book. Like, oh, aliens are gathering by one of the gates near our territory. Oh, I, and we're gonna take over this station. But that was just kind of like the the beast, the sea story. I really enjoyed. I really enjoy feeling submersed in a well-written culture. Yeah. And I I think that I had a few stylistic issues with the book, Mm -hmm. but I think overall her descriptions and everything were just perfect. Yeah. It's just very... I I felt like I understood where I was. Yeah. Um, Like the thing on the subway... You could picture where you were. Like Like you could picture the characters walking in the city... And the alienness, like, you know, like that subway thing with the force wall and Mm -hmm. the explosion, like, if I were just randomly somewhere and that happened, I would just be like, what the fuck just happened? You can't contain me. I didn't commit a crime. Mm -hmm. But they can lock down anyone they want to. It's like when I went to Iceland and they're like, you have to pick your children's names from a list of names. You can only use those names. What? Like in Iceland, there's... A list of names, and you have to choose one of those names to name your kid. It's a very big list. Right. So you probably want to use one of those names anyways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but they want to make sure that at, they stay cultural. As someone, like, you know, as an American, where it's been beat into me that, like, I have freedom and right. uh, my own destiny, blah, blah, blah. And my name is Deva. Yeah. Which probably isn't on the It might be. I don't mean, Sounds kind of... European, I guess. It does, I guess. Although I always, I find that I always have to explain your name when I mention you to people. Really? Like, they're like, Dave, I'm like, like, Dave? I'm like, no, Dave, it's a she. Oh, yeah. And then, and I, please correct me because I've had this for years. Your name for your grandfather? No, my dad. Your dad? Yeah, David. And they just, they just, made, they feminized it, sort of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. 
it's funny because when I was younger, people were just like mystified by it. But now, like Ava is a very popular girl's name now, like A V A. Yeah. So now people seem to understand it now. They'll be mm-hmm. like, "Oh, your name's Ava," and I'm like, "No, Deva." Pronounced the same way. And they're like, "Oh, okay." And there's lots of little girls named Ava that I hear getting yelled at by their mothers, and I like turn around because I think they're saying Deva. <laughs> I love your name. Oh, thank you. I like that. Um, I like that. I don't know anyone else with it. I I like having a unique name. It makes me feel special. <laughs> and it's also like a a kind of a icebreaker when I meet yeah. or when I'm in a job interview or something. I can say, Oh, I can explain my name and Yeah. You know. I talk about how I'm the third girl and then they're like, ho 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 like they wanted a son. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, jokes on them. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's another thing that I really liked about the names in the book. I like how deliberate they are, and it's not like there's a family name. Yeah. Everyone has a unique name. Like, you are your own person. Yeah. And I think people could change their names, because it it definitely seemed as though people had changed their name to something ridiculous. Yeah, like, there was some guy named, like, it was, like, off-road vehicle or something. Helicopter. One of the guys, (laughs) one of the guys, one of the guys at the end was, like... Like sixteen helicopters. Or something. <laughs> uh, there was a, oh, there was an off-road vehicle guy. Yeah, yeah, like just ridiculous. I guess there's rednecks in every culture. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh. So I guess we both liked it then. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think I will read the other books. I will. I think admit- there's only one right now. I thought. Oh, okay. Is there only Is one? Is there only one? Let me look. It only came out in 2020, so it would make sense. Get right in Arkadai. I also like the name Arkadai because that was the name of the fourteen-year-old from Foundation. Oh yeah, yeah. I wonder if she named herself after that. Although it's like a Russian name too. Like there's like men named Arkadai. Mm-hmm. Although Isaac Asimov was Russian, so maybe. Well, he was born in Russia, and then he came to America as soon as he could. That's what his autobiography said. Okay. He was like two when he moved here. <laughs> uh, book three. Let's see. Yeah, I think there's only two right now. Looks like there's going to be a third, though. I would like it if all of the books continued the story, but sort of still it was sort of a standalone story that added to the overall story arc. I would like it if like the next book was like a time jump and it was a different issue. Well, the issue. next one, the, yeah. it does take place... Like on Liesl Station. Oh, does it? It takes place like at that conflict. Really? Yeah. That'll be neat. Yeah. So you won't be on Texacolani. Yeah, but there's still Texacolani people. Right. In the book, like I think three seagrasses there. But it'll still be primarily stationers. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, definitely a totally different vibe. And it'll be fun to have three seagrass on the station. Yeah, just being like, oh my what god, the, what is this? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you also kind of saw her as a valley girl. <laughs> That wrote political poetry uh, and put it on... I would not do well with that. I would not do... Because that's another thing I usually skip over in books. Is like, if there's like poems. Mm. I don't like reading poems. The only book I liked the poems in was... um, David Brin, like, wrote a bunch of books in like the 2000s. Star Tide Rising was one of them, and it was about dolphins. And I think the dolphins talked in poetry, and I actually liked that poetry. Hmm. So well done to him. (laughs) 
I, I mean, I like yeah. poetry, but I really need to be like tricked into it. It it is one of those things where I could read like a thousand poems, uh-huh. and one connects with me. Yeah, like yeah. and it and it's not a structurally driven thing. Yeah, it's just for whatever reason those words spoke to me. Yeah, and I think um, I think it's one of the things that's neat about poetry. The problem for me is that very few poems speak to me. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree with you. Unless it's a song, and then I like it because a lot of like songs like. Songwriters, I think of them as poets. Yeah, but I can really only think of like a few songs a year on my hands that like that I discover that connect with me. You know, like um. Well, I'm a big Killers fan, and their oh, songs. All of them. They're they're like very kind of nonsensical. Some of them very poetry like. So I kind of whenever I think of the Killers or when I think of poetry, I'm like, oh, the Killers are song poets. Oh, that's great that you have a band that you were that enthusiastic about. Oh yeah, it's it's a it's a lot. I um, mine is the Eels. The Eels. The Eels. So it's really just it's just Mark Oliver Everett, although he does have tour artists that travel with him regularly. Um, but I've been following him since high school. Oh wow! And like I go to concerts every time he's in town. Do they play around here? They do. Yeah. So I mean, so. I was supposed to go see him this year, no, in 2020, but the concert got canceled, yeah. as you might imagine, and then it was rescheduled for 2022, but then it would, now it's in 2023, so it'll be this summer. Oh, okay. Which I'm excited so about. So does he play, like, big venues or, like, like a small club, or what does he play? The one in June's a bigger venue, uh-huh. but it's, um, but normally, have you ever been to the Lincoln Theater in D.C.? No. It's, it's not a huge theater. It's maybe, like... A forty-seat row theater. Oh, cool! And you get there. It's usually general admission. If you get there reasonably early, you're usually towards the front. Yeah, it's usually full. Um, and one of the things I really like about them is that every concert's different. I mean, like the first time I, um, the first time, to- the first concert I went to, he had just recomposed a bunch of his songs for a string quartet. Oh, that's cool! And the entire concert was accompanied by a string quartet. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it was kind of neat. It's like what York. kind of music is it? Um, indie rock. Okay, you probably like it. I mean, it's he. Um, Novocaine for the soul was the big hit when we were in high school. Kind of remember. And that. then, um, and then he had he did have a track on the Shrek album. Oh, all the Shrek albums, and um, my beloved monster and I. Yeah. From Shrek is an eel song. Oh, well, it's like the Killers. Like, oh, the Killers, Mr. Brightside. I'm like, yep. I like the Killers. That was. Like, 20 years ago, but, you know, that's, like, what people recognize, but there's, like, so much more. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I understand. Like, that's, like, a very iconic, popular song, so. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, no, that, I'm also going to see Little Big in D.C. And, Little Big? Yeah. Fun. I don't know Little Big. They, I don't know if you've, you've been subjected to the videos that they have, like, whenever at, you're at my house and we start putting on music videos. I I don't always pay attention. Yeah, there's like they're like they're like a Russian band, but they're they're out oh yeah, oh I love them. Yeah, they're like I love them. Me. They're really weird and eccentric. Yeah. yeah, and their music and lyrics are really fun. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's exciting. Yeah, so uh, me and the guys are going down there, going down to DC. I took the the next morning off. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for musical concerts again, but in this world on Tex Kalan, I would not be excited about concerts. Oh my god, you go to that reading and it's like the guy like reading his poetry and you're like it might as well be Vogue on poetry. What about that like party she went to too? Yeah. Like at the beginning? 
And she's, like, drinking violet liquor, and she's like, this is gross. <laughs> and then she just wanders off and, like, finds a garden with a bunch of birds, and then the the heir to the throne, the heir to the empire is in there, and just talking to her. She really gets a lot of good contact. It's pretty remarkable that she gets so many important people around her. I guess they all know about the the, the image of yeah. things, and they... I like, what's the deal? Is she going to do the same thing as he was going to do? Because we're going to have to kill her if she does. It was so uh, mysterious at the beginning, just what was going on. Like, I did appreciate that, just her just feeling of, she had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then when Xander disappeared, it was just so, it was just so, it was pretty tense, you know? You're like, what's happening? She would sort of pray to him throughout the book, you know? Like, where are you? I need yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Which I actually kind of liked. I imagine being able to pray and have someone answer back. Yeah. (laughs) No, do not have that cookie. Okay, so I finished my fourth cup. I thought we were supposed to do six. Right. Okay. It's still cooking down a little bit. I'll be needing to add another cup. Do you want me to measure some for you? Actually, that'd be great. If you could pour two cups into... We just rinse that one and I would use it. Where'd the wine go? I already used it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Two cups. Two cups. Do that. Because once the sixth cup is absorbed, we should be able to add the vegetables and go. And the cheese. And the cheese. So my thought is what we'll do is we'll put it... Um, well, we'll start the we'll start the Dole Whip when we start eating. Okay. How long does the Dole Whip take? take? The Dole Whip um, take 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Nice. I've not had a Dole Whip in a while. Okay, cool. So I think we are in a good place. I'm glad that we both liked the book. Um, I liked that it was lighter. I kind of needed a, a light book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't. It didn't. Feel it wasn't very like happy go lucky. Yeah, but it wasn't like oh my god, I'm like dreading every minute. But the characters were so like vibrant and just resourceful and mm-hmm. uh, positive and industrious that it, it was very. It didn't feel it like counteracted that kind of like. Mm-hmm. darkness to the story. Yeah. So, yeah. Definitely a, a thumbs up from Jason and Ava. Yay. So next, next month we're reading spin. Uh, let's see. Who's this by Robert Charles Watson. Spin is on, been on my wish list for audible for like five. I, I assume it's been a long time, but I know that it's been there for a while and I just, I never get around to it. So I'm excited too. Um, I don't remember what it's about, but I remember reading about it, and I was like, this sounds really good. Right. Same thing. It's, at this point, it's been so long yeah. that I haven't taken action yet, yeah. and I know nothing <laughs> So, yeah. Exciting. I'm excited for Spin. I really enjoyed um, a, memory of, a Memory Called Empire. Yeah. And um, we'll talk to you all next month. Yeah, and you'll see a picture of our risotto and green dull whip. Woohoo! Okay, bye. <laughs>